Easy Vibes on the Easy Desert Podcast, your cool guide to investing. And so what has happened in South Africa and what the smart people at Easy Equities have done is they've democratized investing in a way that 20 years ago seemed impossible. But the magic of the internet, the magic of volume, the magic of intellectual property applied well. And this is where the solutions come in, where thinkers become doers. And suddenly you have a really accessible, affordable way to invest. And I think that democratization of investing is one of the greatest services anybody could have provided and it took an independent player uh, from the from the left of financial services to come in take everybody else by surprise and create an investing revolution so it it's really is a remarkable achievement and i just love the way that the easy equities idea is a, a smart idea in itself that is going global and new territories are being explored welcome to easy desert a podcast by easy equities where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications. Your cool guide to investing. Easy. <laughs> We're into part two of our chat with Bruce Whitfield. Listen to him trying to copy my laugh. <laughs> it's Easy Vibes with Bruce Whitfield. Uh, Bruce, uh, are you keen to play a little bit of a game with us? It's called the Easy Vibes Quickfire. Uh, I'll give you oh, two dear. options and you need to just choose one. Uh, even I can manage that. Okay, let's try. <laughs> All right. So sneakers or suit? Both at the same time. Both at the same time. Suits and sneakers. Very cool. But mostly suits. Ah, okay. Uh, a braai or a fancy dinner? How can you choose between those two? <laughs> I, know it's like, I know it's like, uh, but, the, but what's on the braai? Um, whatever you fancy. Whatever you fancy. Who's coming? Uh, all your friends, your family, me. <laughs> they can have the braai. You and I can go out for a fancy dinner. How's that? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, the last one is Elon Musk or Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Ooh, why? There's a lot more time to get hold of Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I've had the privilege of going to Omaha in Nebraska to one of the big events uh, that Warren Buffett holds. And I have never seen anything like it in my life. There was We're standing in the queue and you're in the queue for about five hours. You get there at three o'clock in the morning and you want to get there. I forget what time the doors open, but you stand in the queue and it's a bit like going to a sports game. It's outside a basketball stadium. There are 20,000 seats. And I was talking to this very nice lady who the next thing, the moment the doors open, she turned around as if I was dead, elbowing people <laughs> out the way and rushing for the door because what they call it Woodstock for capitalists. And it truly is because people are elbowing and shoving and kicking and biting and screaming to get as close as they can to the main stage so that they can see their guru, uh, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger present to them. I mean, the fact that you can sit back a hundred meters and see it on big screens and still feel the live vibe is absolutely awesome. Um, but people are amazingly dedicated uh, to Warren Buffett. And just, you know, they have a big symposium on one side and you can go and buy products from Fruit of the Loom, which is um, fabrics that are American-made fabrics and T-shirts and stuff. They invested in Bose Technologies, the great speakers. They've got so many investments and their uh, investee companies come and show off what it is that they provide at this big conference. It's astonishing. So Warren Buffett, absolutely, he's calm, he's genteel, he's simply brilliant. That's Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, of course. And then Elon Musk is brilliant in a 
like another way, and and that is that he is a wild hooligan who is changing the world and changing our expectations of the world each and every single day. I think he plays with us most of the time, a bit like the trout fishing that I mentioned to you earlier. He's got the world, we're all the trout, and he's got the bait, and he's got the fly, and he's teasing us each and every single day. I have no doubt that he is brilliant, and should he ever condescend to a discussion with me, I'd gratefully accept. So if you if you see him, just let him know Bruce is looking for him. I'll send him a WhatsApp message. I'll let him know, Bruce. <laughs> thank, thank you for playing that game with us. Uh, Bruce, in part one, we spoke about the importance of being optimistic. I'm keen to get what your view is of the South African economy at the moment. There's so much happening, and I'm, and I'm just keen to get your thoughts on, on the country at the moment. Okay, it's buggered. Um, so wait, so that's bugging's not really a swear word. Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, it's broken. It's properly and utterly and fundamentally shockingly broken. Um, and most of that is through government failure. Most of that is through political failure. Most of that is through the tolerance for far too long of far too much corruption. Um, and it has led to the destruction of the fabric of so much of our society. It's led to the destruction of small towns and villages. I don't know where you come from. I don't know where you come from, Sebo, but I come from a small place in the free state that is a shadow of its former self and was a thriving small town with lots of hope and optimism and jobs and now it is a place of despair and potholes. It is, it's shocking to me that we have allowed it to happen um, and that, that uh, our political leadership has allowed it to happen. And I think it's an absolute abomination and disgrace that 15 years of, of load shedding is what we have had. That's half of this government's tenure in office. Uh, and these are guys who still believe that they should be entitled to run the country. And I do think they need to be sent a message that, no, you're not entitled to do this forever either put up your socks or let somebody else have a go who's going to do it properly. And so from that perspective, I'm really angry and disappointed about where we are as a country. Why I think it is incredible that we live in South Africa in 2022 is that because the place is so broken, because there is so much despair and despondency, it really would not take much to start making a real and positive impact in people's lives in such a fundamental way from simple things like fixing the roads to getting water services working properly to getting sewerage systems to work properly and those two should never meet by the way um, to getting electricity to work and this stuff is not complicated it takes political will it takes a high level of IQ a considerable amount of EQ and I am a huge admirer of the president as a person. I'm an admirer of very few, however, of his political colleagues. Um, and I think he should do the equivalent of taking a great, giving his cabinet a great big dose of Brooklax and emptying <laughs> everything out and, and, and bringing in new talent. Because there's a great quote, it's often attributed to Mark Twain. And Mark Twain has got half the internet dedicated to him that Warren Buffett doesn't in terms of quotable quotes. But it's, it's said that Mark Twain said this, it doesn't matter who said it, it's still brilliant, and that is politicians and diapers need to be changed often and for the same reason. <laughs> and unfortunately, when you allow the same politicians to stay in power for too long, the need to do the work, the need to compete for votes, the need to compete uh, for your job just isn't there anymore. Um, and we've allowed our system to become so rotten and so corrupted that it's very hard, I think, when you're in the depths of South African despair 
to, to see hope and optimism. But I see hope and optimism everywhere because I deal with problem solvers. I don't deal with thinkers. I do deal with lots of thinkers, but those thinkers are also doers. And they are people who make a difference. They're people who take advantage of the uncertainty and the chaos, which is why we have a great global medical tourism industry where people fly in from all over the world with far more evolved health systems than ours to come and get their hips replaced, their knees replaced, their elbows replaced, um, because they can come and do it here in a private environment at a fraction of the cost of what they could do it at home in private and where they would have to wait five or six years for the state to do it for them. So they come in to South Africa, they go and stay at the Mount Nelson in Cape Town and they go and stay at the Westcliff Hotel in Joburg and they sit in the sun and they eat nice food and drink nice wine while their wounds heal and as soon as they're well enough they can travel back home again. We have a great private healthcare system, a highly evolved private healthcare system because of failings within the public system. We've got some extraordinary educational institutions um, because the public school system has failed. In Holland, you're not allowed to have private schools. Everybody gets the same education, but it's an education that is so elevated, it is one of the most competitive in Europe because people care and value education. Teachers care about education. Teachers' job is to help children become the next generation of leaders and educators themselves. And in South Africa, we have lost the pot so despicably out of sheer greed and malice and all sorts of other things that the private sector has had to step in. And the private sector is our saving grace. It's not a popular thing to say, um, and not everybody's going to like it, but tough luck. Um, thank goodness we've got a private sector. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Let me just make that clear. But my goodness gracious me, without the private sector that we've got in South Africa, we would have gone down the tubes an awfully long time ago. And I think that's useful to remember. I, I completely agree with you, Bruce. I think we need problem solvers. We need doers. We need people that are going to take it back to the basics and have people at the center um, of that change that needs to be made. So I completely agree with you. Let's perhaps move into happier uh, and better news. Uh, over the last couple of of weeks I'm, I'm a huge fan of your show of course uh, you've mentioned easy equities a couple of times i'm keen to get your sense on easy equities and as a nutshell it's a disaster don't go anywhere near it um, <laughs> so I, I think what easy equities has done is is democratize investing i remember starting out and if you wanted to buy ten thousand rands worth of shares it would cost you 200 bucks to do it um just to do the transaction and in those days 200 bucks was a lot of money so you'd have to buy quite big chunks of shares and you'd have to then put them in a portfolio and there are big administration costs, stockbrokering fees. And so before you were even beginning to invest, you, you, 100 bucks was worth 97 or 96 bucks. Um, and you'd have to make four or 5% just to break even on the transaction. And so what has happened in South Africa and what the smart people at Easy Equities have done is they've democratized investing in a way that 20 years ago seemed impossible. But the magic of the internet, the magic of volume, the magic of intellectual property applied well. And this is where the solutions come in, where thinkers become doers. And suddenly you have a real really accessible, affordable way to invest. And I think that democratization of investing is one of the greatest services anybody could have provided. And it took an independent player uh, from, the, from the left of financial services to come in, take everybody else by surprise and create an investing revolution. So 
it it's really is a remarkable achievement and i just love the way that the easy equities idea is a, a smart idea in itself that is going global and new territories are being explored because there are many many countries in the world that have exactly the same structural problems as south africa's had for a long time in terms of access to investing and the ease of investing into the world of mobile phones and and devices that ability to get into people the palm of people's hands is dare i say it an element of genius yeah and i think you know access to investing and having the ordinary person have the opportunity to build wealth but also balancing that out with education i think the podcast uh, and the work that you do plays plays that role of also you know educating people bruce talking about easy equities talking a bit about money talking a bit about your wallet uh, what have been your worst and your best financial decisions <sighs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I ask people this question all the time. I love asking the question because people go, ah, it's, it's, uh, uh. <laughs> so the best financial decision I ever made was marry my wife. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of really important decisions that you have to make in your life. Um, where you go to school and who your friends are, who you marry, where you choose to live. those things determine your life outcomes if you go to a school uh, that is super privileged and you get to rub shoulders with super rich kids and that seems like a terribly good idea for parents to do because hey you want you know your kids to keep up with the joneses or to be the joneses and have other kids keep up with them are you doing them the greatest service that you could ever do them or are you simply exposing them to a bunch of entitled brats who are never really going to amount to anything and are going to snort up their parents money up their noses and are going to waste their lives um that's a possibility um or do you want to go to put them into a, a really competitive environment where you've got hungry young kids who really want to make a difference in the world and who who do lots of good social work and they understand the world better and the teachers are passionate and driven and if you've got a choice in education you want to put your kids into the most robust environment they can where they're challenged and tested and tried and, and and encouraged all the time they must play great sport they must make friendships in teams they must be able to excel as individuals if they want to be a ballet dancer they should be able to be a ballet dancer if they want to become um, a star cricketer football player or swimmer there should be opportunities for them to do so so choice of school and a peer group is absolutely pivotal most people who go to harvard business school yes harvard business school is by all accounts incredible yes they go there to learn something new but invariably everybody who's ever been to stanford or harvard talks about the people they met more than what they learned out of the books because you can kind of do book knowledge yourself if you really want to you can download some of the best lectures in the world for nothing if you really want to if you're that committed you can get a pretty good global education sitting on your bum in your bedroom in your pajamas but it's about the people that you meet the people you interact with secondly about who you choose to marry or who you choose to live with or who you choose to hook up with or however many spouses or partners you choose to have in your life make smart choices in that particular way of course you want to love them and be attracted to them but also understand that this is a partnership hopefully for life and if you can do that well in a way that is mutually supportive and encouraging and is it helps you as a unit develop there's nothing lonelier in the world you talk to anybody in a startup and it is a lonely pursuit the world is can be a brutal and lonely place and if you've got a like-minded individual as your wing person and and you are theirs as well by the way this is 
isn't a one-way relationship, you'll be considerably more successful on average than people who try and do it alone or think that they can bed hop and they can just be a uh, man or woman about town and they don't need anybody permanent in their lives. I think it's important. Um, and, and the third thing is where you're going to live. Where are the best opportunities for you and your ideas for you to act on those ideas? For somebody like Elon Musk, would he have succeeded in South Africa? Absolutely he would have succeeded in South Africa. He would have been very successful. Then he would have been at the upper echelons of a very, very small, successful society. He chose at a young age to dodge conscription and the stories of Legion, go to Canada. He went to, I think it was Stanford for a bit, dropped out, whatever it was that he did. I've forgotten the detail. It doesn't matter. But he made connections in Silicon Valley and utilized those connections and made his first million, made his first 10, made his first 100, made his first billion, and is now the world's richest person. He would not have achieved that in South Africa. Now, he is an exceptional individual. Rulof Buerta, who is the most powerful venture capitalist in the world, or at least one of them, made a decision to go to the United States and to go and do that there. Early days of PayPal, finance director of PayPal. If you choose that. But then somebody like Brian Joffe uh, in 1987, uh, Robbie Brosen in 1987, 1991 Adrian Gore, choose when their classmates, their university mates, their school friends, their family are going, oh, no, 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 enough of this. Thank you very much. The wheels are coming off. We're out of here. They go, no, we stay. And they're not hashtag I'm staying. They're not getting a social media movement. They're not they're being woke about it. They're being brutally opportunistic and saying, actually, here is a gap in an economy that I can fill and I can make a difference in the society. I can see an opportunity to build something great. And once I've built it in this society, I'm going to find a way to take this and replicate this idea in other markets. And all three of those guys and many, many others have done precisely that. And, and more and more ideas aren't bound by geography. What COVID has taught us is this internet thing. You may have heard of it. One day it's going to be really big. The, the fact that I don't have to um, come and drive my car for an hour to come and find you and see you and then go through security and then sit in reception and then sit up opposite you and chat. And then, you know, it's like we can connect in an instant and swap ideas, do our thing, and then we can go on to do other things that maybe not as personal and and, and as not as, as warm, perhaps, as a face-to-face -face meeting. But my goodness me, uh, we're efficient. And it's that wonder uh, of being a global citizen from South Africa and how you can compete in the world um, and you can be present almost physically present almost anywhere. Ah, talking about uh, Bruce's best financial decision, which is uh, the, the individual that you've been married to, where you live and, of course, uh, where you choose to go to school. Ask me who I spent my 25th wedding anniversary with. I'd love to know. Charlize Theron or Ooh. Charlize Theron. Look at me. Hey, aren't that cool? <laughs> I get asked to do this interview uh, and I say, when would you like to do it? I don't know. On this date. <laughs> what time? At this time. And so I said to my wife, well, we could go out and spend money um, on an expensive dinner and we, or we could do it another day. <laughs> Because I want to <laughs> spend the evening with Charlize Theron. And she went, oh, thank goodness, no pressure. Please do, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and Charlize was lovely, but that's how I, how I got to spend my 25th wedding anniversary. So that's why the person you marry is important, um, because they let you do cool stuff too. It certainly is. Bruce, lastly, um, what do you want to be celebrated for when it's all said and done? When I'm dead. Mm -hmm. When I'm dead... 
I want to be celebrated for being awesome to my children. Um, so it's interesting. So I've written these books and things, and I've written little inscriptions in the front of the books. And I've said to my kids, make great choices. I said to them, find your genius. And I've said to them, always look for the upside of down. And so if one I one day in the very, 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 very distant future, um, I'm no longer breathing oxygen on this planet. If I leave behind two individuals um, who are going to make a bigger impact on the world than I, a bigger positive impact, that's a good achievement. Uh, very few people get remembered. Most people who are remembered are remembered for the bad things they do. I don't need to be remembered. I need to leave the world slightly better off than it was and hopefully make a positive impact as, for as long as I possibly can. And if the people that you do leave behind are able to make a bigger, more positive impact in a world that needs bigger and positive impacts, that'll be good enough, I think. Ah, Bruce, thank you so much for your time on the Easy Does It podcast. Thank you, Tsepo. Well, what a pleasure to see you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for pressing play on the Easy Does It podcast. A big shout out to you for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter and Insta. Our handle is at Easy Equities.